0: Down, buckle up, and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev limiter with Auto actions Bruce Williams and Paul Gover, and your host Andrew Clark.
1: Hello and welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter on Melbourne's long weekend for a horse race that I really just don't care about. In fact, 20 minutes into this recording, the race is on, and we don't care. 24 vehicles with one horsepower each just doesn't really do it that much. Anyway, we had a Grand Prix in Brazil last weekend, a NASCAR finale in Phoenix, a six hour race in New Zealand, and another Secret Speed Series event at Eastern Creek. And as ever, there's supercars news and plenty of other action over the weekend. So let me bring in the rest of the Revel cohort Auto Actions Bruce Williams and Paul Gover. Welcome, gents. Bruce, how are you today?
2: Um, I'm not too bad. It's the middle of the afternoon. I've uh, just t- knocked the top off of Frosty, just the out and neck the first one. It's Melbourne Cup Day. Unfortunately for us uh, people in the media, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, mean it's a rest. But uh, no, it's been a nice day. It's beautiful weather. It's all good. And importantly, PG, what have we got to do?
0: Yep.
1: Here we go, Brucey. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. To you. That's
0: enough. Happy birthday, to
1: you. Yeah.
0: That's
2: enough. <laughs> you and as I said, I've only had one beer, and it's. Uh, but anyway, that's all right. I'm in sunny Ballarat. I've had a lovely day. I've had uh, lunch had a lovely lunch with my daughter, who celebrated a birthday a couple of days ago. And uh, I'm recording this from Sunny Magpie, which is just out of Ballarat. For those people that know the area, it's Sunny Magpie, overlooking yeah, well, the Yarra Valley. Overlooking both of the, the- both of
0: the people who know the area, Bruce.
2: Not too many people like that. (laughs) Overlooking the Yarrawee Valley in the Magpie Primary School 2271, which is where I uh, served my penance when I was a little kid. But anyway, we're sidetracked.
1: So, PG, how are you today?
0: Yeah, I'm happy and smiling. I got up at 4.30 this morning to drive to Sydney, Um, made it just in time to do the podcast, which was the reason for getting up early. Um, Yes, I'm happy and smiling. I've had a good drive, nice day, didn't get
1: booked. Did you bring like, the Porsche I, down with the roof
0: off? I uh, didn't have the roof off because it was raining for half the way down. But I did drive the Porsche down. Uh, I decided, unlike you, Clarky, I I wasn't going to go and battle an airline and uh, turn up the following day or miss a flight yes. or even worse, get sit next to somebody like Bruce. So
2: uh, <laughs> I prefer the. Uh, The highway route myself, by the time you stuff around, park your car, get to the airport an hour before the flight, stand around with a bunch of other smelly, obnoxious people, get held up, it's sometimes it's quicker to get in the car and drive, unless you go to Perth, of course. Yes. Well, that's why we drive to Bathurst, isn't
1: it? Because it's um, it's about the same amount of time and you get to do it with your own music. Anyway, is there any chance we're going to talk about motorsport? There is. I wanted to talk about the Highland Park six-hour race because it was on TV on Saturday, but not on Sunday. Very oh, curious, I thought. What sort of a race was that, Andrew? It uh, just looked like it was a bit of a mixed bag of everything, except they had to um, nobble the Brabham to keep it down with the GT3. So Ed van Gisbergen complaining a little bit about being nobbled, which um, he's pretty good at complaining about. Um, but what a good-looking track. love the fact that the cars get
2: airborne at one stage. It is a spectacular track, but um, the fact that it gets airborne and a couple of other things uh, might be the reason why it doesn't have any sort of serious FIA. Um, category. I would think it would
1: have an impact.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, an impact. I like that. And yeah. it's also got a couple of concrete walls in places that are uh, uh, probably not conducive to good racing without crashing.
2: It's a spectacular joint to race at, but there are some um, there are some limitations. You would, certainly wouldn't want to fire off in, at high speed in a couple of spots. But um, no, no, it's uh, another one of Tony's great tracks. He's uh, How many has he got now? Three or four? Four. Three in New Zealand and Queensland Raceway. So put on him. Put on him. Know. Here's your bloke. Don't ever let it be said that Tony Quinn isn't a bloke who's completely dedicated to motorsport. I mean, I I, I remember when he first started doing the odd tarmac rally, be twenty years ago, probably nearly now. Um, and he started out and to think, you know, a bloke then that few people probably looked at and thought, oh, just a rich bugger having a bit of a pedal around. The amount of money that that man's invested in motorsport around Australia and around the world is um, pretty impressive. And we probably owe him a, a bit of a debt to a certain degree, I think. I think absolutely we do, and uh, very clever man. His
1: saving of Darrell Lee chocolates was a great thing for Australia, I think, So along with VIP Pet Foods. But anyway, not to um, piss in Tony Quinn's pocket too much, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it was on Saturday but not the actual race part of the day. So very curious. Um, deal must have been cut somewhere to make that one happen.
0: No, it was probably a timing problem with the three hours out of New Zealand when you think about it. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. But we, I mean, yeah. we don't. <laughs> the secret event. Did anybody know it was happening? Uh, no. A friend of mine
0: bumped into it on Channel Seven Number Two. He was going around the grounds and went, "Oh, look, there's a replay, oh, <laughs> oh, hang on, this is live."
2: <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was it actually on live TV? Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was how on. 7 embarrassing! And... How embarrassing for me that I didn't know that. Well, then no, how embarrassing then, for the sport that they didn't actually tell anybody. Well, they've. I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm going to. <laughs> Um, the wheels have fallen off the, that whole organisation as far as their media output. There used to be a bloke by the name of Grant Rowley tied up with it who he, he, he used to annoy the crap out of me because there was so many media releases about every single person that had put a valve cap on a tyre or in a wheel that was competing in an event. And God bless his little cotton socks. I mean, average sort of stuff. But at least you knew something was going on purely because you were bombarded by, by information. But, um, yeah, I think they tried to keep it a secret. I think – I I mean, I know that we knew it was on. We gave it a little bit of a preview in the the issue of the magazine. But this is a round of a world championship, an FIA world championship, Mm -hmm. I believe, and nobody knew it was on. And if I'm not the only one that didn't know about it, the spectators that weren't there obviously didn't know either. Well, at one point they,
0: they, they made the, the fatal mistake in the TV of panning across to the grandstand and there were two people in the shot. And then the next time they panned across, they'd
2: gone. So I'm, I'll, call me critical, or whatever. But the fact is there's some fantastic motorsport goes on in this country. But unless the people who are responsible for helping to market it get off their backsides and start doing something about it, There's no point complaining when people don't know about it or don't attend the events. And I have to say that's a classic example of an event that nobody knew about it. And it's not my responsibility as the publisher of Auto Action to give them all the free publicity in the world when they've already got other people they pay to do that. So they need to get off their dates and make it happen. But does anybody – apparently the TCR race was pretty exciting. The locals did well against the the imports and – Genuinely, the, the actual on track um, entertainment was was really quite fantastic.
0: Yeah, I talked to
2: I talked to Will Brown.
0: Uh, it was one of the phone calls on the way down today, um, and he was quite. He said he had a great time, but he he also said the thinks that maybe supercars should take on the, the TCR uh, contact rules. I said, "What are they?" And he said, well, basically, if you don't like a bloke, you run him off the road."
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did Will have a few people he could pick on?
0: Uh, no, he got picked on a bit as well. But he said, they at the driver's briefing, he said, now, are we going with the Australian rules, you know, and touching, <laughs> but no, no, no. And they went, yep, absolutely, Australian rules. Said, first corner, first lap. Here's a bloke going into the left-hander at the end of the straight at, at uh, SMP uh, with about a half a turn to right lock on. Uh, <laughs> and <a> boy, <laughs> basically because there was a bloke along. Last time I saw anybody doing that was Jason Barguana in a supercar.
2: <laughs> and hopefully he kept his foot buried and a little little tacker straightened itself out. But the racing was quite good. They had Trans Am there. They, that was quite all right. It was, you know, blah, blah, blah. But again, secret surface. And you wouldn't know, it, but there's another event on this weekend. I hope that Super Cheap, our, our good friends at Super Cheap, have, uh, are getting their money's worth because um, uh, there is another event on at Bathurst this weekend, not that anybody would know about it. Yeah. No, we wouldn't, But um, except that I put it in my
1: calendar at the start of the year to say the Bathurst International this weekend. Um, so, yeah, so the TCRs will give another roll out there. It'll be interesting to see how they go there and uh, what sort I, of... I don't want to know, they know if, the, uh, if they're
0: going to go with the uh, the, the WWE rules up there because if they do, they'll be riding some cars off.
2: <laughs> there won't be anybody left for the final race.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Anyway, yeah. it's a great shame because I think the... Um, the punters would probably enjoy the spectacle. There's no, there's no shortage of cars. They had good, solid fields. Um, again, it's just embarrassing that it's a secret. And it is, it is um, If they're going to keep doing it that way, then they've got nothing to, do, they've got no complaints to be made about um, the fact that the competitors can't get sponsors and that they're, they're dropping off because if they don't tell people about it. We can't do anything about telling people either.
1: Yep. And speaking of sponsors, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. AC Delco. It's our very, very good friends at AC Delco, I believe, Andrew. They are, yes. I was standing with them watching their um watching the Utes the other day up on the Gold Coast. And their, um, it's Missouri interesting World. they've
2: got they've got some competitive vehicles across their several categories. They've got a fantastic door slammer that um, made the finals, the first round of the National Drag Racing Championships at the Bend, and they've got a young Jared, a young uh, Jared Hughes, who's a front runner in the Toyota 86. They've got the uh, Borgie in the, uh, the Utes, and they've got, uh, what's those blokes from um, Brisbane? Triple something or other? They um, seem yeah.
1: to... some bloke named Van Van Giz
2: something or other. Yeah, yeah, he seems to win a few races with the AC Delco logo, so they seem to back some good people.
1: Anyway, back How to them. Hey, my name's Jared Hughes. I'm racing the AC Delco Toyota 86 in the 2023 TGR 86 Series.
0: Hey, guys. Aaron Borg, driver
2: of the AC Delco Isuzu D-Max in the Super Ute Series. Hey, I'm Brock Fanny, driving the number 88 Red Bull Ampol Racing Camaro, supported by AC Delco. Hi, Craig Lowndes here. We all trust in AC Delco, and so should you, because certainty starts here. Check out the full range of AC Delco All-Makes Auto Parts at acdelco.com.au. All
1: right, welcome back to the Rev Limiter. We're going to tack on our favourite topic, supercars. And uh, I want to talk with her about an article in The Australian last week calling. Um, uh, V8 Supercars, of course, they haven't modernised the supercars yet. Um but it was a sort of article that had out. Great- why do you
2: think that they haven't taken the time, Andrew, to investigate the name of the actual category? Or is it still listed with ASIC as V eight supercars? Have we actually done a search? I think no, the ASIC yeah, they definitely have changed
0: name. They've definitely yeah, changed the- name.
1: No, the formal company name is V8 Supercars, um, yeah. something or other, something or other. Um, so it is there. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing a headline in your newspaper, I would have thought you'd just call it Supercars because that's what they are. But that said, I think the fans still think it's V8 Supercars. But anyway, this article had um, had our uh, – well, won't call him necessarily a good friend, but it had our um, our acquaintance, Peter Adderton, salivating because it said, Supercars is bleeding cash. And he said it wouldn't happen on his watch. So what we wanted to do was have a chat about what is the real story because Bruce has spoken to Barclay Nettlefold this morning. So it's got to be a bit of a Q&A here, Brucey. We'll fire a few things at you and um, we'll get in. PG, of course, spoke to Bruce uh, – sorry, broke to spoke to Barks up on the Gold Coast last week. Yep. So we've probably got it all going. So let's go. What is the real story? This hard-hitting news story to me folded into a PR statement for the Shane. So what do we think on that side of it, guys?
2: Well, from my point of view, it's an interesting story. And the fact that um, uh, I did have a conversation with Barclay. We, we tried to talk about it last week when the story first floated, but Barclay was in um, New Zealand doing some business over there for both supercars and his own business. But um, the long and the short of it is that they release their figures, their audited figures. They're obliged to release all of those figures publicly. And the gentleman, one of the finance um, journalists for the Australian or the the um that that part of the world they uh, got onto it um, and highlighted a few of the uh, a few of the issues surrounding the business now bear in mind and for those of you that aren't interested uh, it, it might be a bit boring but supercars in that first 15-month period when uh, race purchased it from supercars they were the bidding they were the winning bidder um, there were several bidders as we know Peter added in a consortium put a lowball bid in or a bid that didn't make it. There was a bid from um, the Australian Racing Group, which was not um, enough, and Race and Race and the ARG merged to join. And it was also another another competing bid from an overseas organisation, which we now believe was Fantec. It's never really been confirmed, but we believe it was Fantec, and that was the subject of an auto action exclusive story about a little over a year ago. Anyway, long story short, in the first 15 months, their numbers said that they turned over... $112.5 million Now if you think about it, that's quite a lot of money, it's a pretty substantial business and um, at the end of that 15 months they they booked a loss of $2.7 million which according to some people is an absolute disaster but uh, I'm not sure that that's the case uh, What do you think guys? It's
0: 2% and it's an investment phase and lots of things changed and I'll bet the bill for uh, the Gen 3 programs probably more than 2.7 million dollars So when you look at it that way uh, they it's not a, it's definitely not a disaster is it Bruce
2: No it's not I mean if you spent um, if you spent 10 million dollars on buying a 25 or 30 year old house, um you'd have to spend, and you wanted to live in it and you wanted it to be nice and you wanted it to be grand and modern and you wanted to do it and given that the previous owners hadn't put any paint on the walls or changed the carpet or the curtains or any of those sort of things it easy blow a couple of hundred grand so if you look at this from an investment point of view 2.7 million dollars um it's a lot of money but in the scheme of things as you said it's not much more than two percent and Andrew you've got your finger up you want to say something I do yes. So the article quotes it says races current liabilities exceed its current assets
1: by four point nine million, with a current asset deficit a key indicator of financial distress. So I went and chatted to my good friends at Rogers Reedy, which is an insolvency firm, and they said, yeah, it's not a great position, but given everything, it's not actually that bad, um, because the and it comes back to the same thing we had with with Tickford's discussion. There's debt, and then there's debt. There's debt that you're expecting, debt that you're controlling, and then there's debt that's out
2: of control. Um, and I'm not sure this con- debt is out of control. And one of my uh, dear friends, who's a bit of financial market perf, he'll he'll probably have a crack at me about this. But it's important for the sport. It's important that people keep their buddy keep their blazers on and don't get bent out of shape. But I asked Barclay some of these important questions. I said, so, Barks. You've, you've lost $2.7 million in that first year. That's not a good look. What's happened? He goes, but but Bruce, we ended up, for example, having to do an extra event. We budgeted that the beginning of that uh, 2021 season, there were 12 events on the books. That's what the teams had committed to. We, after the season had started, we realised that Puka Kari was going to close down. There was an awful lot of pressure on on, on supercars to run their last event there. So we had to do an extra event. So that was a 13th event that wasn't budgeted for. Airfare, freight to get the uh, 25, uh, sorry, the 20, how many cars was it last year? 26? 25. 25 26. cars mm-hmm. over there and all the infrastructure and all the bullshit. was very, very expensive and he also said to me and said, look, we did do a deal with the teams. Most of the teams did it at a discount with the exception of Triple Eight, who said no, but it cost us a lot of extra money that we didn't budget for. And um, at the end of the day, um, he's not worried about it. He tells me that there's lots of upside, there's lots of growth in the business, and you'd sort of expect that when, the, when you buy something that's been a little bit run down. And let's not forget, we're not, I'm not chit counting Archer here, but um, they were trying to sell that business for a few years. They certainly weren't in the business of investing, that's for sure. All, no, all
0: I did was you. basically write the asset down over the last five years um and, and there and there were lots of serious efforts to sell the thing. Um why would they have invested any money in it? You know, basically it owed them nothing. So if they'd spent money on it, it would have owed them something.
2: <laughs> so, well, yeah, so, so at the end of the day, it was really an interesting conversation. Uh Barclay was getting ready to uh head out to the cup. Um he is very positive and upbeat and he said that, he'd, um, that there's lots, lots of positive things going on in the market. And, uh, yeah, like he said, he's not, you said, know, it's not ideal to be losing that sort of money. But in the real scheme of things, given that they had to basically pick it up and, and really give it a shake and clean up, he said there's a lot of upside to it and next year's financial numbers will be a lot better.
1: And I think there's a few other things to think about on that side as well is that you know, we've got some problems to sort out with Gen 3 That's not going to be done by by not investing money in it. So I think maybe look at the debt as part of possibly an investment rather than just a debt as such. Um so Gen 3, if we talk about it, like we're going over to do aero testing in the States and China. Are you going?
2: Andrew. Andrew, are you going? I I thought I was going to go. Barclays asked me if I wanted to come over and watch it. But it's you.
1: Well, it should be me. I'm, I'm the writer. You're just the bloke. Um, but, um, yeah, they, hey. they are taking the cars over there and they are taking engines over there. Um, despite what you read elsewhere, the transient dyno testing will be done in America, not in Australia first off. I think that is the extra stuff. You're quite right. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that is being done overseas. Um, uh, and it's, it costs money. Like it's a million to million and a half exercise, no doubts at all. You know. But if you don't do that, how can you
2: grow the sport you can't keep going with the way it is at the moment. But I, it, it was, an in, as I said, it was a, it was an interesting chat. Um, look, the, the, the story in this train is an interesting one if you view it from the context that um, the Shahins made no secret that they would like to own supercars. Um, they've sort of talked about it, speculated. So, you know, this is not an ideal situation for supercars to be in. They're probably going to have to find some more money from various other places but Barclay was very um, candid with me and very upbeat and he says they' actually got a lot there's a lot of upside going on so let's be positive about the sport we don't want to drag it down we want to talk it up because let's face it everybody that's involved in the sport makes a living out of it so whether you're you know the media manager at Motorsport Australia and or the bloke selling auto action at the news agents or whatever in between um the sport really is reliant in this country on the success of supercars and everything else feeds off that because supercars is the thing that keeps people keeps it in the profile. Is it do is it perfect? I don't think so. It needs to tidy up. There's lots of things that need to tidy up. But anyway, least Barclay's talking about it. He didn't bury his head in the sand. Well, hang on. Mm-hmm. He's
0: talking about it to who, Bruce? He talked talking- to you and he talked to me. And I think that's a big tick
2: for auto action. It is. And um Look, you know, it is, it's, hard, it's a hard job, but one of the things that you, you learn over a period of time is that you, you, you trust the people that you can talk to and obviously I can't tell you everything that Barclay and I discussed this morning, but it'll come out later in the track and um, it, I'd rather be this bloke that can pick up the phone and have a conversation with him than not pick up the phone and have a conversation with him. And, you know, he enlightened me on some stuff today um, did he was it an easy chat for him? No, it wasn't because I asked him some fairly direct questions. But when he answered them, unless he's a complete bullshit artist, which having a look at his business successes over the years, I don't believe he is, um, I'm fairly comfortable that they've got a handle on it. So good on him. Let's move on to the next subject. Well, there was oh. always the possibility
1: that he could win the Melbourne Cup today and that would solve any financial problem, wouldn't it? Well, so um, hmm. it's been run. So did he yeah, own without a fight? Yeah, as long as he doesn't have these uh, –
0: Team owners as his partners because then he'll have to split it umpty dozen ways and they'll all be complaining about it.
1: Yes. Did he own without a fight, Bruce? Was that one of the horses
2: oh, on your list? Without a fight. Without a fight. Does he own without yeah. a fight? Uh, yeah. Let me uh, let me consult my uh, my diary, <laughs> <laughs> my notes. That's exactly right. Um, he did send me a list. And he said, "Oh, you better put some money on this one." What was it?
1: Without a fight?
2: No, no. He still oh. They still owe. Put two point seven mil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Didn't quite work out that one. It's like me with Powerball. It just doesn't work. I've, I've, I've spent it. I plan how I'm spending it. It's all gone. Um, so we're not bleeding money, obviously. So the sports not too bad. They're not bleeding money. Sorry, they're not bleeding money. Jesus. Yes. Um,
0: God. Come on Andrew Gove is going to yeah, give you a you're wishing to be a TV commentator.
2: No. Well then just um, get outside and look in. <laughs> Growing the revenue. Andrew would barely qualify to be a radio commentator. I on the other hand could get away with it. <laughs> Growing the revenue. Did we talk
1: about or did you talk to him about plans for how we're going to grow the sport? We we're,
2: we're going to grow the sport. Have you no, got, I said, did we? Did shares? we talk to him? Have you got shares in supercars, Andrew? And you wanted a little little invest. I reckon you might be one of the people that bought 10 or 20 umpteen shares. Did you buy some shares? <laughs> <and they laughs> were no.
1: The market? I said, did we talk to him about growing the revenue? And then I corrected it
2: to you. Um, look, he said there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of negotiation. He said that that they've they're pretty disappointed that they've lost Newcastle because that was a big investment for the organisation, Long term, and they were at the back end of that investment and looking to maybe make some money, and it it wasn't. It's not a great event to lose. That's you know he did talk to me about the calendar for next year, which is still a bit of a moving feast. And I mentioned to him that it was a bit of a surprise that here we are in November, there's no calendar. But he said it's actually hard at the moment. There's there's lots going on, and their bottom line revolves around doing deals with governments and um, getting money from. From governments to put on to put on big events, and uh, at the moment it's 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 a tricky environment. But um, no, no, he seems pretty positive. Yeah, I'm, excellent. Not a, I'm not his spokesperson, but I'm happy no? he Wants to pay me half a mil. Hey, yeah. You'll be pleased to know that occasionally he rings me, thinking that I'm his spokesperson,
0: because his <laughs> spokesperson is is Paul Glover. And the last time he <laughs> rang, I just said. Uh, PR man or journalist? And he went, oh, I did it again. So Barclay
2: managed to give himself a whack. That's all right. I inadvertently sent somebody else a text message the other day telling you to pull your head in again. And uh, it wasn't actually to you. Make a note, Andrew, 2446. Yep, (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was looking for my pen. You can see me. Yes. Yes. Anyway. All right. Do we have anything else to talk about there or are we done on that topic? Um, I think you'll see some big announcements in the next uh, few days about some um, managerial changes within the uh, Supercars teams world. Um, which um, I'm hoping that anyway we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely a spring in the step in the sport with the two uh, Mustang victories on the Gold Coast. And I think, as we head towards the uh, finale in adelaide it's it's actually pretty exciting and um I've got in the next issue of auto action, we've got a serious story about how we can how we're planning to uh, spice up uh, spice up next year's championship, Andrew. Have we We have who's writing that you You're writing it or actually you and Paul are writing it. I just haven't told you about it yet. But oh, it's, had, it's had the support, the hierarchy. The hierarchy, I mean, it's excellent. I've been oh, putting so some notes down on that. Me. This is
0: going to be like the people who were sent out on those uh, missions in their aeroplanes in World War Two, with enough fuel to
1: get out but not get back. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I think there's some great ways to spice it up. The first thing I wanted to talk about is the playoffs um, because I've been All doing right.
2: some Andrew. You've, you've, I'm looking at your running sheet. You always growl at me because I don't follow the running sheet. You've completely and utterly bypassed Formula 1, or is that because it's such a non event no. worry about it? No, we haven't got that far yet. I'm, I'm
1: just at the end of the bullet points, which says Gen 3 sorting it out. The next one is, put this on the table for later in the year. If we ran playoffs, three of the final four would be SVG, Waters and Reynolds. So they oh, would all be fighting. Who, they be fighting, they who, by winning who, a race. Who would the other fourth be? Well, whoever wins the Saturday race at Adelaide and if it's not if it's one of those three that wins again, the then Brody Kostecki would be through. Anyway, Andrew, I'm gonna bypass
2: Formula One because I watched the uh-
1: Oh no, 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 you gotta you gotta mention the fact that uh,
0: that uh, Danny Rick managed to do him off. Got his oh, so wheel hitting his rear wing.
2: You yeah, no, haven't
1: the, got the Formula One yet. You've yeah, jumped the order. We're jumping ahead, and uh, please we're jumping uh, ahead. So, yeah. Anyway, follow. I just thought the idea of um the, looking at the uh, the playoffs would be a good thing, so I'm pleased you're going to let me write about that. Andrew, um, in, Andrew in Australia, yeah. we do finals for everything, even soccer. Nowhere except, else in the world do they run a final
2: series for soccer, except for um, supercar racing, which the where the, the, the champion can be elected. Well, right before the season's finished. Yep. Yes, so maybe you to
0: remember, Andrew, Andrew mm-hmm. what you are yep. forgetting conveniently is that the points series and the way it works was devised a long time ago because all of the teams wanted to be able to report back on Monday how well they've done and how many points they've got. Yep. No, that's and okay. We're not getting one of the, the points. Point you want to try and get them
2: to agree to a playoff system? I don't care what they say, I'm running the sport, I'm Barclay, I'm doing what I want. Barclay Barclay and his mates that have got their uh, $78 million invested actually run the sport, not the teams. And uh, as soon as the teams accept that fact, uh, Bradley and um, the others. Roland. (laughs) Roland's not, hang on a second, Andrew, Roland claims not to be part of it anymore. Isn't he still the chairman of, direct, chairman oh, of the board? Still, no. It's still invisible. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a
0: big new job. He's got a big job these days at, uh, at PWR. Oh. Um, the the right right. He he's the still the, the chairman there. So he's got a fair bit of other stuff
1: happening these days. Yes. and Anyway, I think it's down to Barclay and his team to say, this is
2: what we're doing, and you just accept it. I think the sport needs a shake-up. That's what I'm saying. The sport mm. needs a shake-up. This is the opportunity uh they've had their feet under the desk for a couple of years let's give it a shake and a rattle and uh let's get on with it i think it's overdue bruce and in
0: fact when i spoke to barclay up on the golden coast my first words to him were okay you've had your time what have you done and what are you going to do and that's when he arced up at me and said we've got big plans and blah 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 and i said well let's get bruce along to talk to you and that's what
1: has now happened so anyway it's all exciting so where are we at um, the uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on supercars before we get on to Formula 1 was um, the pit garages moving around next year. Apparently, um, Jamie Wincup doesn't think supercars' drivers are intelligent enough to know where their pit garages
2: move well, to. Andrew, I'm on board with him on that one. I think that yeah. um, whoever wins this year's championship, and let's not forget, this is probably one of the most recontested championships in recent years. Whoever wins this championship deserves to have that position at the end of the pit lane. Yeah. Change, announce it for next year. Okay, at the end of 2023, it's a different deal. But when, um, when, uh, when, when Betty and um, Baz signed, settled up at the start of this year, they wanted to win those two garages at the end of pit lane, not one. You know, from because someone runs into the back of them at the start of the race and end up down the back. So stuff, stick that up your backside. Whoever wins this year's championship deserves that spot, and and
0: Andrew's probably going to say, oh, it moves around all the time in NASCAR. Yeah, well, they've got one pit stall. They don't even have garages. But um, let's not forget Formula 1, right? They, that's the system they use. I think it's a good system. It works for a whole lot of reasons, um, and I'd, I wouldn't like to see them change it. I think it's too much of a shake-up with with no, for no, where's the gain, there is no gain. And let me tell you, if it confuses the punters, which it will do,
1: it's not a good thing. I don't think it will confuse the punters in the slightest. But remember, Formula 1 actually goes the other way. The team that wins gets the worst pit spot. Uh, you might think it's the, wor- you
0: think the it's worst You might think it's worst pit spot. But let me tell you, every year when you walk into the Melbourne Grand Prix at Albert Park, the first garage on the right is for the...
2: Winners? ...team that won a championship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There you go.
2: Anyway, I think it's um- Hang on, hang on. And at the end of the but but Andrew, Red Bull is at the end of the pit lane. Same as the championship in supercars is at the end of the pit lane. They're both in the same spot.
1: Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Oh, Andrew,
2: Andrew, you need a haircut, mate. Seriously. <laughs> and when you when you're at the hairdressing salon, that big thing in front of you, you need to stare deeply into it and have a damn good look at yourself. But because the, the last time I looked. <laughs> the, the, the Formula One, the pit bay for Red Bull was closest to the pit exit to the to the Grand Prix Club, which is at the far end of the pit entry. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, whoever is- wins this championship, and I say this with all sincerity, whether it's Shane van Gisbergen or Brody Kostecki, they have done an, an awesome job because they're the, they are two top teams. They're the two best drivers out there. That was proven at the Gold Coast and they deserve that spot. And end of story, bullshit, the rest of it. Moving the pit stalls around is just a bit of fluff and bubble. It's bullshit. It's fairy floss. You want some bluestone, some foundations to the sport. Don't worry about the fluff and bubble to start with. Next. Yes, and having having once uh, seen – I'm
0: not sure who it was at the time, but in the Oscar days, I I seem to remember that Bruce may have uh, had
2: a bit of trouble finding his pit stall a couple of times. God, I don't think so, PG. <laughs> Unless it was an over-exuberance, so I missed the brake pedal, but I don't think I ever missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, anything else we want to do on Supercars before we move on to Formula
2: 1? Well, I want to know, what you, what, what, what's the chat after Service Paradise? People is I, I get the vibe that there are Ford people out there that have have lost the chip off their shoulder and they're starting to maybe feel a little bit better about it. But <laughs> the vibe oh, is… absolutely. Absolutely, the vibe is much better.
1: The Ford teams are feeling comfortable. They're not happy that they've got it all right yet, but um, and as you know, we spoke about it. Indy Gold Case is not the place to see whether the changes actually really do work. Um, but you know, and it's about a mindset, isn't it, that they actually went there believing they had more of a chance. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think I think they've thrown a, bo-
0: a bone to the dog, and the dog's in the in the corner, getting through the gristle and having a great time. And pretty soon that'll be back for another bone.
2: I reckon it'll be interesting. The Velo Five Hundred in Adelaide is truly a grand final this year. I mean, it's going to go down to the last race with any with any with any expectation. It's going to go down to the last race, and I think that's exciting for the championship. And uh, let's hope that um, that. Uh, the media and everybody else get behind it because um, it's, genuinely, it's genu- genuinely exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm not so convinced it will go to the last race. I think Brody could have it wrapped up on the Saturday. You, know, my you reckon tip. he's going to
2: win it? If What happens yep. if he wins the first race on Saturday? Is that it? It's all, um, up and all no, over. If
1: Shane, if Shane finishes second, it's still on. If Shane finishes anywhere else, it's over. Right. So the Brody will be out to sort it out Come on Saturday. Shane.
2: Brody first, Shane second. Come Sunday, Shane last, Brody first. That's my. That's that is what you want. I wanted, I want to know what sort of burnout Brody's going to do. Because yeah. did you notice? you, two, you notice with? The, excuse me, YouTube blokes do realise why well, I want that to happen, don't you? Mm-hmm. We good can't boy. say. We can't say. <laughs> um, but I'm with you, PG. I think
1: the uh, the pressure is on for the celebration. Van Gisbergen's um, celebration last year was stunning. So yeah. pressure's on Brody if you manage to win it. Think- and Shane, how do you go one up on that?
2: I think Brody just gets out of the car and just wanders off and goes out and grabs a beer. <laughs> well, you, you could you could have like the celebration. I know I'm jumping ahead again, Andrew, but you could have it
0: like the celebration for the NASCAR, where you have two blokes doing donuts and, and yes. burnout at the end.
2: And no. then I think they stopped so they didn't crash into each other. No, yes. I, I, I'm not sure that anybody could beat that finish for SVG. That has to go down in in the all time annals of great great celebrations but just imagine if the thing had turned five degrees it would have taken off <laughs> down the road and probably killed dare i say at least 20 or 30 people and then we'd have a serious investigation work cover and everybody else so um i reckon there's a fair chance that whoever is likely to get on the podium they'll be cancelled not to jam their shoes in the against the accelerator <laughs> while well, staying the car is probably a stain. probably be a good thing yeah. Yes, but what a
1: celebration that was. Uh, easily, easily the best I've ever seen anywhere in any sport.
2: Anyway, move um, well, on the- quickly. We're running out of time. My Formula boot. One, I've Formula, got-
1: one. Um, uh-huh. Formula One, it was pretty boring, I thought, again, because yep, we knew sure. Max was going to win. Yeah, sure. There was a bit of stuff happening behind the scenes. Uh, I thought one of the interesting discussions for me was in the sprint race with the uh, Ocon and Alonso crash. And um, you got Ocon saying that idiot Fernando, and Alonso says, I think he hit me. <laughs> Yeah. So one's jumped in and said, oh, this bind's evil. And the other one said, Well, I don't really know what happened. Um yep. I got I thought the best thing to Alonso
0: was the best thing all weekend. You know, how old isn't that bloke's nearly as old as me. And he still goes at it like a rabid <laughs> <clears throat> rabbit,
2: doesn't he? You know, like <laughs> he gets a seat and away he goes, he's fantastic. Well, you know, it's the first time in many races that Aston Martin have had a competitive car. And how do we know that they had a competitive car, Andrew? How do we know they had a competitive car? Because Lance Stroll was right up there. Exactly. Lance qualified <laughs> on the second row. And you know that if, if Lance is on the second row, then the car's pretty good. Um, our young bloke, our columnist, uh, Oscar, had what we would only describe as a pretty average weekend. The McLaren obviously had pace. I mean, it's, it really is the massive improver this year. They've done an amazing job with that car. Lando was genuinely pressuring the, uh, the Dutchman in the uh, Red Bull car and all weekend... For one lap. And, huh? For one lap. Well, uh, oh. if you look at it, he had to manage the gap
0: all the way through. He wasn't looking out the front of the car. He was looking in the mirrors and... Yeah, there was a lot of chat.
2: There was a lot of chat. They had to actually do some racing that weekend. And, um, but Oscar and uh, our man Dan... Uh, they would have um, – they had an attack of the t- – what I would describe, they had an attack of the Tickfords on the weekend. They, yeah. um, they uh, had tyres fall from the sky and rip wings off. They had uh, blokes crash into each other and then spear across the track and run into the back and spear off um, Oscar's rear wing. So, anyway, look, it, it's, it's all part of the learning curve. But I'd say, again, the more I read the industry experts talk about Oscar and um, Daniel – both of those two guys, both at different ends of their careers, are held in such incredibly high regard by people. And, and you know, Dan's added another layer of interest to the sport again with him coming back. And um, and um, Oscar being the youngest guy in the field is um, just people just talk about him all the time.
1: So it was interesting to watch Dan. Um... Um, coming with the tire coming at him, and you see him steer away from it, and think, "Well, he's uh, pretty close to getting knocked on the scon," except the, obviously the um, the hand, the what do they call it, the uh, halo, halo. Should have saved him technically. Um, but I think if a tire is coming down from on top like that, it could easily fit between the halo. It was only
2: the carcass; the tire had actually been plucked off the wheel in the uh, in the. the- <laughs> oh yeah, but you know these blokes are men. You know, well, he's already had a broken wrist this year. We don't want him to get injured again. No, <laughs> hard enough. Been, they're not on motorbikes or dirt bikes amongst trees or obstacles. They're blokes. They can get on with it. Yes. Now, we they spoke earlier about
1: Fernando and how great he's been. Um, Is he the hardest bloke that Formula 1's had to pass in a
2: very long time? Well... <laughs> He has had the reputation. There was only one bloke who's con- apparently ever harder to pass, and that was Jensen Button. He 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 was uh, pretty shocking at being allowed to pass. And of course, there was the great John uh, John Bow. He was another bloke that didn't particularly <laughs> like to get yeah, passed. Well, he was known as harder to pass than a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah, but um, Alonzo, <laughs> good on him. I mean, at the end of the day, you think about it. He was passed on the last at the start of the last lap, yeah. and the little bugger fought back like. I don't know, those two blokes, it was good. It was entertaining. It made what was probably not the most exciting race Um, exciting. But um, it's, again, um, Interlagos is one of those tracks. It's old school. It's what Formula One used to be in the 60s and 70s. And shit happens there. That's why there's a lot of crashes. And some of the biggest crashes in Formula One have happened there over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it's a good track, isn't it? Um, it is a good it's track. It's great to watch.
1: It's, sure. it's a bit short. Sure. Certainly, a lot better than Vegas is going to be. I think Vegas will put on a bit of
0: a show. I think it's, um, it's straight it'll put on a, a show, bit. but the track will be rubbish. It'll no, be another
1: another set of ninety-degree
0: corners, boring, 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 and they put it on under lights to
2: try and make it look sexy. Have you worked out what time the event's on over there locally? <laughs> it's in the mid-morning, isn't it? Is that right? No, it's on – I think the qualifying is on at midnight, their oh, time.
1: Oh, for them? Oh, their time, yeah. No, no, their yeah. time's ridiculous. But it's yeah. mid-morning or something here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the
2: race is on at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, our yeah. time. It's yeah. on at 10 o'clock at night at Las Vegas time because yeah. they yeah. want to show the, light, the city under lights because that's what it's about. All right. Yeah, because have you been to Vegas in the daytime? It
0: is a s-hole. It's I've a dreadful been to Vegas place. in the night time. Well, no in, the nighttime, in, in the night time, <clears throat> it's a bit like you, Brucey. You look a lot better under lights, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say that to if you're agree. coming out of casino, the casino, and you've had a couple of uh, a bit of neck oil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, he's steaming I can see that one uh anything else on formula one i thought it was a pretty um pretty straightforward race really it wasn't much happening so uh
0: well yeah, except that uh, I have to point out that i did think that checo was going to retire in uh in uh, mexico and I have to out myself as being useless because it didn't happen but let me tell you based on his
2: performance again uh last weekend it's uh it's time checo well i've choice they tried to talk him up, but he was battling for fourth. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got the same car that Max is in. Max blows everybody away, and Checo's stumbling around in the you know the top half a dozen, trying to um, fight. <laughs> and the, the and, older and Max, Max has won the manufacturer's championship on his own, the team's yeah,
0: championship. Yeah. Well, is-
1: Max went hard enough? He would lap Sergio during a race instead yeah, of yeah. pacing
2: himself. Was- anyway, yeah, clearly, clearly they need to make a change. I'm optimistic that. Um, the regulations, the spending regulations, wind tunnel regulations, and the team that miraculously that Zach Brown has put together around around McLaren and their two drivers, I think that um, you know it, there's a lot of upside to next season, and I'm looking forward to the start of it. Um, we still have to put up with a number of whinging poms, though, don't we? Jesus, don't <laughs> they move on during the race? God mighty. You, know you know what I'd love? Why don't they just hook up a phone directly between George and Lewis? And and I know Lewis would drive along and da da da. And in the end, you'd hear Lewis say, "For f- sake, George, if you're if you're good enough to pass me, mate, come on, get on with it, but stop wing. <laughs> At least we didn't have to listen to Lando whinge this time. No, no, it's good. But we need to need, yeah, go back out the front. Of the
0: windrometer will be happening next year. When Piastri starts to pants him next year, the wingometer is going to go off the scale. <laughs>
2: yep. All righty. And, of course, you can read in uh, – you can go on to the Auto Action website, of course, and read Oscar's latest uh, column on there in its entirety. Is he talking
1: about whinging bombs? I
2: oh, know. He's, he's a team player. That's one of the reasons why they've signed him for a longer deal. Andrea yeah. Seidel thinks that um, – no, oh, no, no, he's not there anymore. Oh, sorry. Stella. Stella. Um, Stella. Stella they, they love him because he's a team player. No whinging, no complaining, just gets on with the job. All right, we're going to start getting into the tail end of this podcast now. Oh, so yeah.
1: NASCAR? NASCAR. Yep. How good was that track, that dog leg where they fan out and go five and six that and seven That is rubbish.
2: Talk about track no, limits. God almighty. I don't believe there should <laughs> be track limits. Let them go. Track limits, oh. concrete wall, pit lane, grass, whatever. Who cares? Just let them race. If they wear yep. their tyres out or hit the concrete or get a puncture, stop whinging about it. If they don't want them to go there, put a concrete wall up. That's simple. <laughs> Track limits, bullshit. It's Very the easy, best anyway. they can drive on. I'm with you, I It looks spectacular. Road. It was fantastic. Yeah,
1: and a great race too. Um, the battle for the lead, this is why I love the um, love the playoffs. I love the whole concept of it um, because, you know, it was alive all the way through. Um, obviously, a mid, mid-race change to Blaney's car just, convert, you know, convert it, turn it into something
2: good while, while um, Byron went backwards. So, and at there, you had the top four cars racing for the championship in the top five. Chastain, yeah. your mate Chastain driving for our, our mates over there in um, – that, trackhouse, uh, for um, trackhouse. track trackhouse that uh, SVG is going to drive for. He was in a bit of a league of his own. Um They had a bit of a crack at him early on, and the, you know, blah blah blah. But he was pretty fast all day. But you know, yeah. it, the the top the, the four cars, the exclusive four cars, tising for the championship. Any one of them could have won. And then, of course, poor old Christopher Bell had a brake rotor explode. I mean. Come on, guys, there's something going on there. That's the third or fourth time this year that a brake rotor has exploded. Yeah. They um, well, at least they didn't catch fire, Bruce. Well, <laughs> it's not the point. That's got to be the most dangerous, scary thing that a driver can have. A brake yeah. rotor. And it didn't come it didn't come without warning because Bally was on the on the Eau de Cologne. Um, having a whinge saying there's something wrong with the brakes, you know, and they've said to him early on, they said, mate, we've pulled all the ducks out. You've got everything you're going to get. You're going to have to nurse it. Bang. Mm -hmm. And he's lucky he only hit the wall and didn't take anybody else out. And how good was the 3D graphic that they ran on the
1: TV show explaining the whole concept and, um, you know, showing it all of the piping and the ducting into it and then the brake rotor exploding? I thought that was magnificent.
0: Yeah, but not the same same without Larka to explain it.
1: Now, imagine Larco with that sort of graphics. Oh, it would be unbelievable.
0: He would, he would have his own TV show. They'd have yeah. the Larco channel alongside the main channel.
2: Well, I've got to say, and I'm, I'm, Barclay, you're not without criticism. You need to give your people a bit of adjustment here. I watched, one of the things that I watched, that NASCAR coverage, and I watched it on KO, just a normal – I didn't have the, the app and all the little tweaky things. But I really liked the split screen. I liked the way they described it. I liked what was going on. The commentary was really good. They need to take that model from last weekend and look at it and go, right, what is it that we're missing in our own stuff and we need to grab it and because it was – it was really. I mean, I I'm I'm a rusted on. I'm I'm a super speedway person. I've raced super speedway. I love it, and I really enjoyed it. It was a it was a great experience. It really informed me, and um yeah, I think that the chase has got a lot. I think we need to look at it. But but the, the other, other thing, thing is Bruce.
0: As I'm at the other end, so I've also, I was a big fan of the Thunderdome, had a bit of a dabble out there, as you know. But the thing about it is I came into it deliberately without too, I didn't do all my research, but they told me everything I needed to know. Went through all the, how it was going to work. It was a very, very comprehensive thing. But also they moved their commentary around all the time. They had different people doing different
1: things, which kept it fresh right the way through. Hmm. The other thing that works beautifully, though, is if you've got the NASCAR app at the same time. So while they're doing one thing, I'm watching the the from inside somebody's car. So I was in um, Blaney's car for a while, watching him dice with Chastain while they were showing something else. So I could keep an eye on the championship battle while they were showing other things on the TV. Hmm. Yep. The other thing you can do in America that we I don't think we could do here was you can listen to the radio of any of any car that you choose. Yeah, that's right. via yeah the speeds drop all the time. Yeah. And, Although and a bit sick of inside, inside,
2: inside, inside. Yeah. What What's interesting about NASCAR is that, and unlike here in Australia, um, one of the most vital team members in a in an in a NASCAR race or circle track race like IndyCars is oh. is the spotter, and they play an enormous part. I mean, these guys, these drivers, will commit totally to a corner on the basis of what some bloke sitting in the stand says to them, and if he says it's clear when you're going to turn one at 150 mile an hour, you turn down because you know that you're clear. And it might only be an inch, and and the best spotters in the in the country get paid a lot of money. Yeah, well, Van Gisbergen
1: said the spotter's the one that got him through that um, multi-car pileup in Chicago, so uh, even on a street circuit it works as well. Um-
2: and I'm surprised we we don't use it that there aren't spotters in um, in supercars. There's, there's certainly tracks and applications that it could be quite useful. Yeah. yeah well, anyway, one of the changes coming. Now,
1: Blaney said he studied the SMT data leading into the race. Um, he watched all of the teams, all the cars. He did a whole lot of stuff. This is the data that Mark Rushbrook's been asking for to come into supercars. Um, and I think there's a possibility that we might see something like that soon. Do you have, you have to be an expert to understand it? No, not really. I'm, I've watched it in action. You can stand there and um, see the data trace from everybody. You can see their steering wheel inputs. You can all, all live, everything live. Yes. And
2: Everybody and, and, has access to everybody's. That's on the NASCAR program. As a viewer, you can see that as well. Yeah. But what again, and we don't want to go on to do too much about it. But it was it was really interesting. I was fully engaged, and the two guys in the end, or the three guys still in the end, they finished I think second, third, and fourth, or second, third, and yep. fifth. In the championship, these guys were still bumping and pushing and running into each other with 10 laps to Ghost, and and Blaney was still trying to take the win of the race. These guys raced to the death. I mean, anybody that says it's Randy, Randy Racing needs to go out and, you know, they need to sit in front of that big mirror when you get their hair cut and have a damn good look at themselves. Like I said the other day, they need to go to Luna Park to that room of mirrors and stand there and find a mirror that makes them look a little bit more intelligent than they are, maybe. There you go. I thought it was a
1: sensational wrap-up to the season. I know PG said it was boring. No, no I just thought – no, no, I was just talking about the last five laps and I also wanted oh, to – The last also- five laps of the
0: 10,000 that they ran. <laughs> where where was driving away because, yeah. because I was expecting them to do an F1, right, which they didn't do, you know, where they, where they cut to watch – you know, you missed the battle oh, for second, third, fourth because they've got to have the guy going over and getting the chequered flag. They didn't worry about doing that, which was sensational.
2: Yeah, no.
0: Do no, you, so you see how excited Roger Penske was to win the championship? It looked like his heart rate got up to 13.
2: <laughs> which, oh, now listen, I mean, true all credit to the captain, how many championships would that bloke have won in his career? It must be in the hundreds, whether it's INSA, GTP, IndyCars, NASCAR, all of the things that he's been involved in over the last 50 years. And there he is. He still wants to be there. He's still proud of the fact that it's his team. And if he isn't in the most – I still think that he's probably – if not the most influential person alive in in motorsport in, in the world now, he's certainly close to it. Um, the, the things that he's involved with, and, you know, I've said this, I said this a long time ago, it's such a shame that Roger didn't decide to stick around in Formula One because the Penske name in F1 would be, would be potentially legendary these days. But, you know, let's not forget, this is sec- back-to-back um, championships for Penske in NASCAR too. Yes, and interestingly, um, Ford in the
1: middle of the season was nowhere. They were uh, no chance of winning anything, and they've won that and the Xfinity. So, uh, just shows you if you fiddle around, you can get the, get it right, as we're seeing with supercars and well, last that's weekend. The
2: chase. That's the championship chase. You, Thank get, you get to the chase, and if you're the final four, you've got a one in four chance of winning the championship. And it, what's remarkable about it is what I'm really impressed by is it's very, very rare. That one of those four, that that none of those four cars are duds. They're all they all seem to be. I mean, they get there on merit. They're the they're the they're the informed teams. They're the informed drivers. The informed cars, and they get there and they fight it out, and and it's fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, so Ford won all three NASCAR
1: titles, which is interesting. Um, I think that's enough for us this week. We're going to um, yeah. shut, shut it down.
2: Um, yeah, make it the, yeah. on when I accidentally Sorry. slipped that word in that we're not allowed to mention anymore. Which word? That word, you know, that word. Oh, the one that I have to beep? Yeah, the F word. No, you don't need to beep it, Andrew. You just need to take it out. There's no need for people. <laughs> no, we, 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 haven't, we haven't called anybody that. What those words again, have we? <laughs> You've been behaving a little bit
1: lately, Bruce. I don't know what's gone on. So maybe uh, it's still in the afternoon because we're recording in the afternoon, not the evening. Um, so this weekend we've got the um, – Bathurst International next weekend.
2: We've got the. This is a community service announcement, isn't it, Andrew? For those you yes, that are listening now, there is a motorsport event on this weekend at Bathurst, and if you didn't know about it, it's actually on. And I dare say you won't have to reserve any tickets. I think if you wander up to the gate, you'll probably get a start. And in fact, if you wander around the streets of Bathurst, there'll probably be someone handing tickets out for for free. So get along there. Yes. I wanted to contrast that with the um,
1: ARC round in Canberra next week, who happens to be sending us press releases and getting coverage on the website.
2: So, uh, oh, well, pretty easy. They're very, pretty very, good. they're very, very good people down there in uh, that run that rally of Canberra. And again, and again of course, it's the uh, final round of the Australian Rally Championship, or should I say, the final round of the the Bates Toyota Australia Championship? <laughs> because I'm sure it's one of them that's going to win it. The um, championship with as poor old PGs ducking for cover because <laughs> it, it'll be one of the uh, one of the Bates brothers sisters clan or that'll give him a clip. <laughs> um, won't you? Won't you look silly if uh, if the other one
0: Zach Bates starts to pop up a bit more in supercars in the next couple of years? He'll it'll be, be like five,
2: won't it? He's got a little <laughs> bit of popping up to do. Let's face yes. it, um, and. Uh, and it is, of course, the championship with the world's biggest trophy, the Bendix Trophy. Winning the Indy, the Indy 500 is only marginally larger than More the. Tro- the The Paul Warner. I say Bendix. Bendix was for. Um, Bendix is the uh, trophy they used to award for the F, the uh, air for air races back in the uh, '30s. In fact, the Supermarine, the uh, aeroplane that uh, that uh, the development for the Spitfire came from, was one of the one of the early winners of the Bendix trophy i think from memory just to change the subject a little bit you are correct it was a flu- it was a seaplane as i remember as well that's exactly right it was a it was a
1: it was a it was a race for,
2: for seaplanes <laughs>
1: Yeah, great. Let's move on. Hey, it's. Great. Anyway, that's it, guys. Um, thanks for your time. We'll chat again next week. We'll um, work on the uh, Barclay story for the website and then for the print edition of the magazine next week, Bruce. Uh, yes. I'll get into that for you. And um, we'll talk next week. So, um, PG,
2: thanks for your time. Always yeah, good. Just as a matter of interest, you look like you're in some sort of a cheap motel at the moment, Paul. It is a very cheap motel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually the free spare bedroom of my great friend uh, and and veteran uh, motorsport photographer, Ray Burghouse, who's had 63 appearances at Bathurst and only broke his, uh, his duck last year because he had an appointment with somebody who was cutting him open, otherwise he would have had 64 in a row. He had a choice. He could have had uh, sixty-three and a break, or he could have had sixty-three and stopped. So he decided <laughs> to miss one, and he was back again this year. And he's- I
2: tell you what, for an old dinosaur, he's actually come back pretty good. He's got well, that not- gnarly attitude again that he that he that he, <laughs> that he lost about eighteen months ago. He's actually yep. got a bit of viper back in him, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you. The other thing is, he's an old bloke because he's he's over eighty. But uh, he's he's got into the technology and he, he's actually been listening to our podcast. He said it's pretty
2: well, good. A little <laughs> um, a little cheerio from to Ray from um, Hornsby. Is it Hornsby? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well,
0: no, 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 no. It's it's more exclusive than Hornsby. But I cannot disguise. Okay, he did mention
2: the, uh, to act- me. He did mention to me that when he and his beautiful wife of fifty odd, sixty years or whatever purchased yeah. the uh, property they live in now some 40-odd years ago. It was very much an outer suburb of Sydney and probably real, reasonably affordable. And he says now it's uh, it's an, almost an inner suburb of Sydney worth an absolute
1: fortune. That's but right. The upside is that uh, Berghaus gave me my first full-time job in motorsport. So, uh, so we've you, got him to blame. you got him to blame. Is it? Thanks, Bergie. All, <laughs> all right. right. That's enough for us. I'll see you all later. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, PG. Um, we'll talk soon. And uh, peace to all. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter.
0: We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show.
1: And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version. It's out every second Wednesday night. And the print version is available on Thursday wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening. And thanks for understanding.